0: Della Unart Bastard, the biopic about him that has won first prize in the New York City International Film Festival.
1: And in the next hour of Cat Radio Cafe,
0: a
2: panel on eyeglasses.
1: Sunday night at 11 on WBAI, the next two-hour
2: Cat Radio Cafe. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Email us at and David at wbai.org and remember our slogan. Do cats like eyeglasses? Yes, they like to
0: swat them onto the floor and under your bed.
3: And you're listening to WBAI New York. The time now is 5 o'clock. Up right now, driving forces.
4: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Driving Forces here on WBAI 99.5 FM New York and streaming live on WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz. I'm your host today, usually here with Jeff Simmons every Thursday at 5. He is out on a top-secret mission, but he will return very soon, and I'm certainly looking forward to that. But in the meantime, we are going to be having a good show today, a couple of interesting guests coming on. Uh, One thing that there's a lot of stuff going on in the news, obviously obviously, but one thing that we certainly have been looking at uh, and hearing about from, including uh, from the president this week, is the future of Puerto Rico, uh, not only in terms of the funding that has come through after uh, um, after the storms that were so devastating to the island, but uh, the president's attitude towards the island as a whole and the question of whether Puerto Rico should eventually become a state or should become entirely independent of the United States or what should happen next? So I know this is a a question that's near and dear to the hearts of a lot of New Yorkers, uh, a lot of people who have ties to the island or uh, came from the island originally themselves, uh, maybe still have family there and so on, or just have opinions about how the administration is treating Puerto Rico and uh, other, uh, other U.S. territories and the people who are there. There and do have citizenship rights, uh, uh, even though they are not uh, officially uh, members of a state. They do have. Uh, they do have. Uh, some representation in government. They can vote in some uh, elections, but not all. And uh, this is uh, a very interesting predicament, but also something that uh, I think for a lot of people is a question of fairness. So to uh, to help us sort out what might be the future of Puerto Rico, our first guest is Herson Barrero. I'm sure you know him as the very shy and retiring political commentator on New York One and New York One Noticias. Uh, he's also been a top editor at out- including City, City and State and El Diario. So, uh, Mr. Herson Barrero, it is a pleasure to welcome you to Driving Forces today.
5: I appreciate the welcome. Just drop the Mister. Just call me Herson. <laughs> Just don't call me a bad name. You can't do that on the radio. So not on no n- curse words.
4: Not on FM. No, no, no. This is a this is a no, family no, no, radio no. station. None of that. That's right. So and
5: George Carlin wouldn't have any other way.
4: Oh my God! Funny that you mention it. We actually do have a poster up here that uh, is sort of a memorial to uh, to uh, George Carlin. I won't explain why, but you can imagine. Um,
5: <laughs> look it up, folks, young folks.
4: Look it up. <laughs> exactly a famous, actually a famous part of WBAI history, the uh, George Carlin monologue. But um, <clears throat> I will. Uh, I will. Stop! Uh, I will stop digressing from what we're supposed to be talking about today, which is Puerto Rico. Sorry about that. Uh, no, not at all. Not at all. And um, Well, first of all, tell the people, I mean, look, everybody in New York knows you pretty much, but tell the people here who are listening on the odd, odd chance that they don't know who you are, you know, why this is important to you, why you've written so much about it.
5: The reason it's important for me as a Puerto Rican who came here at the age, to New York City at the age of five from Ponce, Puerto Rico, I'm from La Playa de Ponce, Puerto Rico. It was always fascinating to me to learn how I could have a um, uh, the history that, that I, as I learned that having a, uh, a, a, a grandmother, maternal grandmother, who raised me with my mother who was single parent of two boys and coming to New York and learning here the process of which Puerto Rico found itself to be in uh, a colonial status, a territory at that point called the ridiculous name of Estado Libre Asociado, a Commonwealth of a Free Associated State. As I grew older, Celeste, I wound up finding out that my maternal grandmother, who never learned to speak English, was a pro-state hooder. She wanted Puerto Rico to become the 51st state. And I couldn't understand, and yet she confessed to me as I grew older that she used to go with her sister, Titi Kanmen, uh, who, who was, I mean, both of them were pro-annexation of Puerto Rico to the United States. And mm-hmm. I could never understand why they went to see the leader of the Nationalist Party speak, Pedro Albizu Campos, who was trained in Harvard Harvard engineering and law degree. And if you check Pedro Albizu Campos in Harvard, law schools, you will find out all the th- great things he did he re- he was also a lieutenant in the united states army i learned our history so and i found out that this is so undignified this is humiliating that people that were a colonized uh island and uh, the invasion in 1898 and you learned it's just learning the history if you read the history there's no way to come up with being a pro-annexation person You at least come out as an independentista, as I am. I believe that every nation should be free. I don't think that anyone should own anyone else, even though the realities of the current world are such that if you look at the Antilles, both the large Antilles and the small Antilles, we were part, for example, Puerto Rico before 1898, Mm -hmm. and we were part of the liberation of including the last of those Antilles was Cuba. And and it's very humiliating to find yourself in a predicament in which you are, as I am, as every other Puerto Rican since 1917, a citizenship that was imposed on us. No one asked for it. No one voted for it. So, listen, this great democracy and one of the finest in the world. But nobody voted for it. Nobody asked for it. So you have this stuff that's going on right now of Trump, everybody from Trump and his party, those crazies in, in the grand old party that would be ridiculous republican party uh wanting to build walls and keep people out we never asked to come in i personally would reject u.s citizenship tomorrow if we got our independence not that i hate people in the united states but this government is really screwed up in what they've done in an island that they say they own so that's just a little bit you want to keep me going
4: (laughs) No, it, I mean, it, uh, I could, but I want—I do want to jump in and ask, uh, you know, it's it certainly it's come up for a couple of reasons. Number one, because of the new uh, legislative proposals that have been entered in Washington. I believe it's by uh, Gonzalez of Puerto Rico and Soto of Florida, uh, you know, to, to see what might happen with the, the future of Puerto Rico. But also because obviously, as you mentioned, you're, you're a favorite president. I know you're a wild supporter of President Trump, so has had a couple of things to ah. say. <laughs> 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 family radio, or Family radio. I know.
5: What um, can I say? But, but you're allowed to throw up, right? When you mentioned that name. Well, oh, I'm sorry. Go
4: ahead. Yes. So, um, you know, he's had a couple of things to say about Puerto Rico, including many things that people have said are patently not true, like they've gotten. Uh, some wild amount, 91, did he say 91 billion or million? Billion, it could be. Billion. He uh, yeah. said billion. He doesn't uh,
5: know the difference because he lies so much about his own words that that's what he comes up with. And and you're talking about Jennifer Gonzalez, who was the resident commissioner from Puerto Rico, who right. was in, uh, she calls herself, her and everybody else, they call themselves. All oh, she's the first female, you know, and I feel sorry for her. I thought she'd be smarter than the previous men who were resident commissioners. She's a pro state hooder. And Jennifer Gonzalez, who I've interviewed and who I understand, of this ridiculous proposal at this time and, and 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 in this current climate to even propose that. And Darren Soto, who is actually in Florida now via he was born in New Jersey, uh, but he's out, uh You know, like most. People from the East Coast, they fly, you know, over to Florida. Mm-hmm. But Darren Soto, they, who's a pro, look, there's nothing wrong with being pro-statehood. And I wish that there were more Puerto Ricans asking for state because they'll never get it. They'll be rejected. And in this climate, that's the best. They, they look like fools. They look like burgers. This is like, you know, uh, like being what Malcolm X calls those house people that work for the master. And, 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 and in this case, we are that. We are the current, modern-day, ridiculous people that are in a slavery situation. Not the same to be compared with what blacks went through in in, in in this savagery that was committed against them, but rather in terms of what we're treated to, the way we're treated. It's like we're beggars, not counting the fact that we have had more people die in American wars, not started by us because, like fools, we went to defend this country. Fools in the sense of not defending what we had to do, but men and women who have died for this nation, and that doesn't matter to this current president or the climate of the grand old party, and you have Darren Soto who, embar- who is embarrassing us along with uh, Jennifer Gonzalez asking for statehood. They don't want us. They really, Celeste, if you look at it, they don't want us. The only people that can make a decision, the only people, is not any president, any sitting president, but the Congress of the United States of America. The full Congress is the only one that that can decide we're going to go ahead and allow them to have a binding election, binding plebiscite, and they haven't done it because they don't have the guts. And I'm talking about both Democrats and Republican.
4: So let me ask you, and again, if you're just joining us here on Driving Forces, this is WBAI 99.5 New York FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz talking to Herson Barrera about the future of Puerto Rico. Uh, so Herson, I want to ask you, um, you know, aside from the politics of all of this, if you look at the situation of the island now in terms of the economy in general, and particularly particularly after the devastation uh, that was caused by the, uh, by the hurricane. Um, do you think Puerto Rico is in a position to be independent uh, now? And if not now, then when?
5: Well, there is talks currently of reparations for African Americans, for blacks in this country. We have been, our island has been decimated from Vieques, the bombing of Vieques, which was used as target practice, which is right off the mainland, as you call it, this, this island nation that I'm from, and the, the damage they've done to agriculture. So I think there could always be an understanding that in the 1898 invasion, which we we're already advancing, if you go back, my, my, the way we solve this is through the United Nations, going back to originally where the North American invasion, the troops, invaded Puerto Rico, and then take from there and say, this is the way we're going to achieve it. We don't want to be enemies of the United States. But like many times i put it simply so that i say we have a relationship with the state of israel and hold off there because you know your listeners go crazy when i say something like that mm-hmm. but that model could work for us we have t- my two children both my daughter and my son were born in new york city my i was born in puerto rico my father was born here and my uncle in harlem hospital so what i'm saying is that there's a way to work this out the abusive relationship that has manifested itself in the mouth of this toilet that walks around, and, and that's all he can, because that he's a latrine, he's a walking latrine, and he's in the, sitting in the White House along with co-offenders in the Congress that allow him to say things about what Rico, Knowing that he's lying, there is an obligation because we are a commonwealth, there is an obligation because the debt that was prior to this, which was $72 billion, is not the doing of... Puerto Ricans, but rather people from Wall Street that has been documented. So what I'm saying to you, there is an obligation. Are we ready for independence at this very moment? No. But we were, we, we were ready for independence in 1898 when North American troops, after we had already spent two years in separating, we were colonized before this by Spain. So Spain was really the abuser before. Now, the United States can... So if we go that, I know you can't go back in time. There's no time machine, Celeste, but we can get to the position in which we can say this is the way it was. Let's depart from there. Let us have some reparations, some rebuilding because it destroyed our island. You've deprived us of agriculture. Well, we're just getting started. By the way, the devastation caused by Hurricane Maria only exacerbated what is, was already downhill mm-hmm. and the abusive and exploitation of our country. The United States does that. We're famous for that. We go into places, we exploit them from day one. We took this nation from Native Americans. We like to mess the um, places up. And look what we're doing to the right now. We have a president, a sitting president, along with his co-conspirators in which they don't believe in that there's global warming or climate change. They just go ahead and destroy everything in the name of a profitable bottom
4: line. <laughs> So just to uh, just to keep you going while I've got you going here, uh, another devil's advocate question for you. Uh, one of uh, Trump's tweets, he said, uh, you know, very counter to what you're saying about uh, about the United States exploiting the island. He says that uh, Puerto Rico is sort of to blame for what's going on. He says, "quote, and again, this is his words, not mine." "quote All their pol- all their local politicians do is complain and ask for more money. The politicians are grossly incompetent." spend the money foolishly or corruptly and only take from the usa so it would
5: be just like it would just be like a white man remember this land how this land was built how this nation was built Mm -hmm. if you gave the same amount of those that signed the constitution those the signatories to the constitution the 56 was it white men uh millionaires landowners if you took puerto rico and you gave us i'll make it simple so that everybody understands or try i'm gonna try to get an example that so we don't mix it up because donald trump is just it's not even worth answering his stupidity by the way he failed at a business he also failed at a business in a hotel business or resort and he lost over three million dollars he walked away from it in puerto rico and this is in you know this is recent history so this failure of a businessman who takes, who cheats on his taxes, who cheats on his business, who have, by the, according to Wayne Barrett, who documented this in his book, he even dealt with the mafia, with the mob. This is a disgrace of a human being walking and sitting in the White House. So I take very lightly whatever he says, but let's go to the real history.
6: Okay. If,
5: Puerto Rico, if Puerto Rico can actually get yes, the reparations and what, we, what was taken from us, what, so they destroyed from sugarcane plantations to other uh, fruits that we were able to get and get the money back so that we can start our own independent country, we could do it. Just like if you have given 56 black men, right, and you give it, if you give it, how can you fail if you get money, land, and labor that is enslaved, cheap labor that comes for nothing. That's why this, this country was built. And they think that Puerto Ricanos are the modern-day slaves of this nation. So they figured we don't need anything because we should just be proud of the fact that we have the damn citizenship of the United States, which we never asked for in 1917. It was imposed, folks. It was given to us. It was forced upon us. And today, Celeste, if I went and petitioned, and by the way, there were Puerto Ricans who've done this. Mm -hmm. I didn't join the club, because they shut it down Mm -hmm. to the State Department, rejecting U.S. citizenship. And we said, almost 3,000, and they said that they, that they didn't want to continue to be citizens and rejected it, they were rejected because the, state, the, the Department of State of the United States couldn't send them back because they're occupying our land. So this is a very complicated history, but it's simple. Give us back what you took from us, and we'll start it. Just like blacks were given, the reparations blacks weren't. If you get, again, if you give anybody... Male, female, if you give them land, if you give them seed money, and you give them slaves to work the land, who wouldn't be successful? The biggest dummy would be successful. Even Donald Trump, with his stupidity and his lack of knowledge of business as well, he does his cheat, he would be successful.
4: I'm glad to see that you have no strong feelings on this subject. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I really, I really am. I, I feel, I feel good about the fact that you're able to look at this so, so sort of uh, from a remove, you might say. Very impressed. Very impressed. Um,
5: it's deeply, it's deeply felt. And again, it's not that I'm against the people of the United States, you know. And, and I think that any the can't can't speak for anyone. I can speak for myself. I I love the people of this country. The mm-hmm. government is just on its knees. The Congress. And then, by the way, I don't blame. The man sitting in the White House is the U.S. Congress, both Democrat and Republican I VP. They should act on this and liberate Puerto Rico from this tyranny that they have. A modern-day itinerary aim and and we're just more or less slaves.
4: And uh, so the last question here for you, I and mean, you've been very, very generous with your time. Um, what do you really think happens next? I mean, there's always going to be a lot of, uh, you know— a lot of uh, crossfire on Twitter and so on, and there's always going to be a lot of horse trading in Congress. What do you think really happens in, in the immediate future with, say, the the uh, legislation being put forth by uh, by Soda?
5: Be, be Well, it, what happens? They'll laugh at him. They'll laugh at Jennifer Gonzalez because it's it's stupid. Well, think about it, Celeste. Think of the climate of people. They anti-immigrant. Whether. Uh, Documented or undocumented, there's just an anti-immigrant kind of of of, of feeling of uh, uh, you know the, the 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 mood of the country is such. At least by those in power, they don't want to know this. They don't. It's it's a ridiculous proposal by Darren Soto, who I thought was smarter than what he actually is, You know, this stupidity he's done, and also Jennifer Gonzalez, who is really really smart, but yet you know she's going to play the political wins to take away because in their mind, in their brain mind, the, 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 the mind of a mosquito, they think that statehood will actually resolve the problem. Not understanding or understanding and still going on with their stupid, the, the stupid proposal of how long it would take. What we need is a solution from this Congress, and I'll leave you with this so, okay. so I know that I've overstayed my welcome. <laughs> Never. What's going to happen that because we're blessed with a 2020 election that has already is in full force within the Democratic Party who wants to not only take over the White House but the Senate, they're not going to mess with us because we're strong in Florida, we're strong in the Northeast, we spread out through the land, and along with other Latinos who understand our predicament, because all of us are Mexican now, all of us. I mean, mean, there's so many nations, according to the stupid idiot that we have in the White House, there's so many Mexican nations that we're all Mexicans. And or probably he'll come up with three or four Puerto Ricos, you know, an <laughs> island surrounded by water. I, I mean, I, it, it's, it's so infuriating even to have to discuss the degree of stupidity in this nation and having this man in the White House and the cowardice of the Congress, especially the Democrats, who, like, fools are playing this game with everybody. You know, you're entitled to run. I'm not a Democrat. I vote independently. So I can say this. What's going to save us, Celeste? What's going to save my island nation is the fact that there's a 2020 election, and Democrats cannot afford to mess. I want to say another word to mess Don't. with <laughs> the Puerto Rican or Latino vote. Okay,
4: uh, Herson Barrero. Where can people find out more about you and your uh, your work and your commentary?
5: Well, if you just follow me, I'm, beyond, I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on other things. that at Herson Barrero at Herson Barrero. G E R S O N B O R R E R O. And there's no SOP at the end.
4: (laughs) It is always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for being on Driving Forces today.
5: You're the best. Thank you.
4: Take care. Bye-bye. So, again, if you're just joining us, this is WBAI New York 99.5 FM, and we're streaming live at WBAI.org. This is uh, Driving Forces. I'm your host, Celeste Katz, usually here with Jeff Simmons uh, every Thursday at 5, but he is... uh, uh, out on, uh, as I mentioned earlier, a top secret mission. He will be back with us uh, very soon, so stay tuned for uh, um, an upcoming appearance by him. In the meantime, we're discussing the future of Puerto Rico. A lot of uh, uh, a lot of tough feelings going on this week because of some of the comments made by President Trump about how much aid. Uh, the island has received uh, in the wake of Hurricane Maria uh, and also because of uh, new legislation that's being introduced that raises once again the question of whether Puerto Rico should become the 51st State of the Union. So joining us now to talk about this is uh, somebody uh, that you may know from Sirius XM Radio. Uh, She covers Congress uh, for uh, the Patriot Channel along with uh, other outlets. Carrie Pickett uh, is somebody who's been following this issue for a long time, even has a, I think somewhat of a, a personal interest in it, if she wants to talk about that. But, uh, Carrie Pickett, it is a pleasure to welcome you to WBAI. Well, thanks for having me, Celeste.
0: I, I certainly do have a personal interest. I, As you know, um, my mother is Puerto Rican herself, and so uh, from time to time, well, of course, what you're referring to here is uh, Puerto Rico uh, tends to uh, have... Uh, the the uh, the uh, move into the uh, areas of becoming the 51st state and uh, otherwise known as the referenda uh it's the last time uh Puerto Rico was uh being thought of of going into the area of the 51st state it was back in 2017 when there was a vote uh, a, a plebiscite vote to uh become the uh, 51st state and ultimately uh what we saw there was the we saw was that essentially you know the the people uh you know just uh didn't really make it towards the uh, state just yet because you know once again it it's still essentially undecided as mm-hmm. of now you know but what we're seeing right now is a bipartisan group of representatives joined with a uh, polio governor Ricardo Rossello,
7: mm-hmm. um
0: last Thursday to present a bill that would admit the territory as a state within 90 days of passage. And uh, that's very different than what we've seen in the past because they've sort of left it to the uh, people to a vote on a plebiscite. So that, I mean, now this is sort of a ticket to become a state. But once again, Celeste, because uh, Congress is divided still, mm-hmm. you know, this is more of a curtain raiser more than anything else.
4: So um, I wanted to ask you about uh, some of the stuff that uh, President Trump was tweeting about, and some people are a little exercised about it, as you can imagine, but there do seem to be uh, a few points that he's trying to make that do not really uh, stand up to fact-checking. For example, he says that Puerto Rico has already received $91 billion in aid, and that uh, that uh, among other things, he is the best thing to happen to Puerto Rico since, I don't know, the ocean or palm trees or whatever, whatever it may be. Um, and a lot of people are saying, look, this is just frankly not true. This is Puerto Rico has not received that much aid. And also, why are you talking about or why are people in the White House, for example, Hogan Gidley, one of the, uh, the spokes, uh, spokesmen for the administration, referring to Puerto Rico as that country when the people of Puerto Rico are, as we all know, American citizens. So uh, maybe you can break that down, sort of like the attitude of the Trump White House toward what's going on in Puerto Rico.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to be actually quoting from Kate Long. She is an incredible reporter when it comes to uh, a lot of the finances that that has to uh, do with uh, with, a, with a Puerto Rico. She leads a research service for Puerto Rico bondholders. Uh, you know, basically, uh, what we have here is uh, just some just some interesting uh, sort of a breakdown here when it comes to uh, Puerto Rico. Uh, so she has here reporting from Politifact on on fight in U.S. Senate over Puerto Rico disaster aid highlights a key point. U.S. HUD does not have a statutory requirement to disperse disaster funds within a set time frame. So this relates to already appropriated funds in Puerto Rico. So that's something to keep in mind. So um, for Trump, the people of Puerto Rico are are great. This is the uh, this is the uh, tweet that you are referring to, but the politicians are incompetent or corrupt.
4: Right, okay. and we were we were actually that. just talking to our last guest, uh, Herson Barrero. I asked him that question about uh, you know. What he thought of this administration calling uh, the the government of the island corrupt, and he wasn't too interested in that. But this is actually something you have talked to me about at some length in the past about what you know you've looked into uh, the the structure and function of government in Puerto Rico. So maybe tell us a little bit about what what you found there.
2: Well, you
0: see, his thing is that uh, Puerto Rico housing and reconstruction prod. At projects, you had seventy percent of federal funds were siphoned away in in administrative expenses, and this is a big problem. See, mm-hmm. and therein lies some of the issues that we are seeing down in Puerto Rico. Because you can put a ton of money towards 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 Puerto Rico, okay, but what we have seen over the decades when with Puerto Rico is that. It's it's always been the oversight of what happens to that money. In this case, uh, Francis Robles uh, did an excellent job of, of of reporting when it came to housing and uh, and reconstruction, where most of those funds, seventy percent of those federal funds, they were put towards administrative administrative costs, and that's something that needs to be looked at. Yeah, one of the things here that is that is a constant. Uh, Struggle and an effort down in Puerto Rico is, once again, it's not how much money you put in there. It's how much uh, money is, is is constantly siphoned away uh, towards a lot of the people who are using it, and and that is the biggest problem over in Puerto Rico that nobody wants to deal with more than anything else.
4: That's interesting. So that, so I mean, look, a lot of government uh, programs and even. Uh, Humanitarian aid programs do face questions about whether money is being used wisely, whether it's being wasted, whether uh, the people who are are doling out the uh, the assistance are doing it fairly or whether there's preferential treatment like these are all legitimate questions for any sort of humanitarian aid. Uh, But I'm just going to push you one more time just to ask, I mean, do you think that Trump is showing a clear understanding of the fact that these people are American citizens. I mean, we were, again, we were discussing this recently. They uh, serve in the military. Uh, you know, they have the protections of American citizenship. They can vote in mm-hmm. some elections, I think uh, in primary elections. Primaries. Right. right. But mm-hmm. they don't have full representation in Congress and they can't vote for president. I mean... You know, I think he... I, look, I think he understands that the people who live on the
0: island are, are obviously Americans. Uh, I think that... That it's more of the frustration of of what happens to that money when it, when it goes to the island more than anything else. This has to do with a, with a oversight. Now, what we're seeing over in a Congress right now is uh, is is the Leahy Amendment, which which calls for forcing the federal government to speed up the process to allocate a separate pot of disaster money. this is about this includes 8.3 billion dollars for Puerto Rico, and that's the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. Mm-hmm. Uh, that announced in 2018 that it would allocate now the hold up is that the federal government hasn't finalized the rules related to the funding so that's something to to keep in mind right now i mean look once again you have the the democrats who are who are upset because they're saying look that's it's simply not enough money going towards the island but I think a lot of the issues that, that President Trump has right now is, isn't is so much that he doesn't want to put the money towards the island. It's what exactly is the oversight right and now, more than anything else.
4: I, I'm going to uh, invite people to call in about this. Call in, and uh, what do you think should happen uh, with Puerto Rico? What do you think should be the future of the island? Should it be the 51st state should it be uh, an entirely independent nation? Should it uh, stay the way it is right now? Let us know, 212-209-2877, 212-209-2877. That is our call-in line. This is WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, and we're streaming live at WBAI Dot org. So while we're waiting for people to call in, I'm just gonna hold you for one more second, Carrie Pickett, um of sure. Sirius XM. Uh and again, two one two two zero nine two eight seven seven two one two. Two oh um, You've been actually spending some time this week, and I will see you tomorrow uh, at the uh, big National Action Network convention featuring a lot of mm. uh, the presidential candidates, you know, Democratic uh, presidential hopefuls. What, what, uh, what's that been like? I've read a couple of your stories. I read uh, about um, uh, Mayor uh, Pete Buttigieg of, uh, of South Bend, Indiana, talking about Black Lives Matter today. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Wow, Celeste, you certainly did a better job at pronouncing uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg's last name than than a most. Don't I, flatter I, I, me. I, I <laughs> yes, yes, I I am proud of you there. Um, you. But what we have here is uh, Mayor Pete, as he likes to call himself, to uh, give people a break on his last name. There mm. is uh, he he has sort of disavowed his uh, previous comments about uh, Black Lives Matter. Uh, because he uh, did say during a, a state of the city address in the past, he he said that all lives matter. Mm-hmm. That, that was a that was a 2015 comment that he made uh, as a result of some tensions that were going on be- between the black community and and law enforcement. Bank. And by the way, that was also some stuff that was going on because he uh, forced out. A, a former chief of police who uh, who was who black himself, so there was some stuff that was going on back then. Um, but now, as he was talking to the National Action Network, he said that no, 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 Black Lives Matter. I I have learned, and I'm paraphrasing here, and yeah, you know, I I didn't realize that it was something that was offensive, and uh, I realized that this this is a uh, this is something that that has to do about the 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 uh, value of of uh, of, uh, of the lives of uh, of a black men and and women, obviously, and uh, this is something that he felt that he had to walk back. So he had to sort of re-explain himself. Mm-hmm. What he didn't really talk about, though, was the story of the chief of police that he did force out. Um, in the town of South Bend, Indiana, um, some reporters did ask him about it, but mm-hmm. he sort of scurried away, and that's something that he may have to talk about later on.
4: Okay, so and we're gonna have we're gonna have a pretty big lineup tomorrow. I should have I should have wisely pulled up that uh, the entire lineup on the screen in front of me before I brought that up on the air. But uh, who do we have tomorrow? We have uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, uh, yes, Klobuchar, right. Amy Klobuchar. Have, who else? Tell me.
0: Yeah, we also have Kamala Harris. Uh, we have uh, Chuck Schumer. We have Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, we, uh, we have a whole you know, lineup of, of uh, Democratic leaders who are going to be coming in to sort of wrap up the National Action Network's convention. But a number of, of, of other uh, Democratic leaders who uh, came in to uh, talk to the members of the National Action Network, of course, were Julian Castro, who uh, came in on the first day, along with Beto O'Rourke, mm-hmm. who also came in. And, uh, of course, today we you know, just talked about uh, P- Peter Buttigieg. There we go. They and also, don't forget, uh, John Delaney. He is a congressman from Maryland. He also spoke as well. So they're kind of getting just the uh, basic lineup right here to uh, give their thoughts on civil rights in, within the black community. And uh, also there are a number of panels uh, there with some MSNBC hosts and a number of guests and experts to mm-hmm. uh, give their thoughts about uh, voter suppression along with uh, criminal justice reform. So it, this was sort of like a uh, foundation as to where the, the Democratic Party is right now. And of course, Tom Perez, DNC uh, chairman, he was there as well. And this was Sort of a uh, kickoff to the uh, Democratic primary as to where things are. I was curious. Um, I I don't remember uh, Bernie Sanders uh, popping in, but who knows? I I, I once again uh, Biden didn't uh, show up either. So, but of course he has a lot on his mind right now. But. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well also but he has not formally declared right so you uh,
0: know. that that is true that
4: although true. yeah we could we could talk about we could talk about that for a while I might have to do a whole separate show on that actually but uh we are going to take some calls but carrie pickett thank you for being on driving forces and where can people find you and your work
0: well you can just uh come on over to com and you can uh check out some of my stuff over here over on the Patriot channel, as well as uh, just uh, just check me out over on Twitter. That's at Carrie Pickett.
4: Excellent. Thank you very much, Carrie Pickett of SiriusXM. A pleasure to have you here on WBAI. Absolutely. Take care, Swiss. All right. See you tomorrow. Bye. Um, well, thank you very much for uh, for waiting here. I think we do have some people uh, who did want to call in and talk about Puerto Rico. Again, the number is 212 209 Seven seven two one two two zero nine two eight seven seven. Should Puerto Rico be the 51st state? Should it become an independent country, or should we keep things as they are? 212 209 2, 2, 7, 7. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where you're from?
6: Uh, is it okay to remain anonymous?
4: Okay, just give me an idea where you're calling from.
6: Uh, you know, New York City area. All
4: right, what's up? So you have some thoughts on Puerto okay. Rico, right? Okay.
6: Uh, okay. Uh, just a couple of quick points. Uh, number one, Puerto Rico's a territory. Is Guam and other uh, like areas like the American Virgin Islands are those territories or those protectorates? Uh, second point is, does Vieques? That was a big thing about the bombing. Do we still have that? Did they protest their way out of it? And the third thing that they say, which could be propaganda, is that a lot of money was uh, corruptly taken from Puerto Rico. That's why power grid went down that's why it was more vulnerable again does P- uh, puerto rico need a pr firm to counteract the propaganda about this kind of uh i know there's corruption everywhere but was there corruption in puerto rico uh, that led to some of the power grid being old and not updated and stuff like that
4: okay thank you thank you very much for your uh question You're welcome. We will... great show i love right. your show and Oh, Doing a good you. job. Really appreciate it. Thanks a lot for calling in, and uh, yeah, look, look. There's a whole bunch of questions there. I wish I could answer them all as quickly and accurately as I would like to. Um, look, there have been. Uh, studies. uh, There's been investigative reporting about Puerto Rico and about uh, how government resources have been used there. Uh, Obviously, you know, there was a really big blow up between the mayor of San Juan and uh, the Trump administration not that long ago. I mean, basically between donald trump himself now we do know i think it is fair to say even for his supporters to have to admit that the president does tend to embellish things once in a while it is certainly the case that he has embellished just how much aid puerto rico has received as a direct result of hurricane maria and the devastation that occurred now much like new york was puerto rico uh uh, prepared for that hurricane in, in terms of the resilience, the resilience factor of, uh, of buildings, especially waterfront properties, and so on, of the electrical grid, of uh, of the uh, the water treatment system. You know, look, these things are, are certainly a problem there, as they were a problem right here in New York, where uh, I worked in a building in Lower Manhattan that was uh, we were put out of business uh, in that location by Hurricane Sandy for over a year. Our building was flooded, uh, people were trapped in the building. We had to move to Midtown. This is when back when I worked at the New York Daily News. Uh, While well, that building was uh cleaned up and uh disinfected, and so on, so yeah, look, I mean, I think we can say as a general matter um, there are uh, there were issues and there remain issues with uh, with Puerto Rico in terms of of resilience and that's a that's a matter that affects everybody, including as I said right here uh even in in New York, where uh you know after what 's happened to us in a number of storms, we much like Puerto Rico should know better. Uh, If we're going to build back places like lower Manhattan, Staten Island, uh, areas that uh, the Rockaways, areas that get really hard hit by these storms, you would think that's something that the um, that Puerto Rico, uh, as a U.S. territory (laughs) populated by U.S. citizens, if not a full state, uh, would be able to uh, to enjoy some of the benefits of that planning. But we're not quite uh, there yet, I think, on on. In either location, and then I think one of the last questions before we jump to our next call: um, the U.S. Virgin Islands and Guam—they are U.S. territories. So um, you will see, for example, a Guam contingent uh, at the uh, Democratic and Republican National Conventions. Uh, you know, obviously not uh, entirely—they are not the fifty-second uh, and fifty-third states or anything like that—but they do have some benefits of of being part of uh, of the. Uh, american republic so to speak so again taking your calls for just a couple more seconds then we're going to have a a real treat before we wrap up the show 212-209-2877 212-209-2877 i'm celeste katz you're listening to driving forces on wbai and actually you are on the air we do have a caller what's your name and where are you from hello hi
7: hi my name is max and i'm from somerset
4: new jersey okay what's up max
7: So I just feel like we always have these conversations when we're talking about um, so-called third world-type countries about how they spend their money and what they should be doing with their money and how they should be um, handling it. When we don't get involved in that kind of conversation, when we're talking about what happens here in this country with the money that we as taxpayers pay and give to the government, and we then do not look to see how they're spending the money how much of it we're getting, none of those questions are being asked. But when you start talking about Puerto Rico or uh, third world countries that get aid, how are they spending their money? Uh, that patriarchal mentality, is to, I find it offensive. We're not doing that here in this country for our, with, our, with our country and our money, but we feel that we, we need to know these things.
4: Oh, absolutely. Well, I, th- I I certainly see your point, and uh, thank you, Max, for your call. Do appreciate it. There is obviously a a difference uh, in the way uh, aid is viewed. Say um, uh, aid to Texas, or perhaps aid you know after uh, Hurricane Harvey, or aid uh, to Louisiana, to New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. Are those things seen differently than aid to Puerto Rico or to the U.S. Virgin Islands, the U.S. Virgin Islands. Those things in, indeed may be seen differently by, uh, and I don't know if that's a politically partisan thing or if it's something else, but uh, still taking your calls, 212 209 2877 WBAI. You're on the air. What's your name and where you're from?
2: Good afternoon. <clears throat> My name is Rose. I live in Flemington, New Jersey. Hi, Rose. And I've had the privilege of Visiting Puerto Rico many times and highly admire and respect the Puerto Rican people's intelligence and their integrity as well. Mm-hmm. What I would like to suggest, it has nothing to do with what their decisions are, but from an outside view, that I would like to suggest. That perhaps the University of Puerto Rico and some of the universities in the West Indies and some of our great think tanks figure a way to house the people quickly. During World War II, right afterwards, there was something called the Greenbelt Project. Mm-hmm. These houses, I happen to live in one in New Jersey, and they're uh. in Washington and all over the place. Yeah. But what we need to do now is to find a way to build these things in Puerto Rico, and they're basically modular. Uh, During the the, uh, Marshall Plan, manufacturers got together and came up with all sorts of brilliant ideas. And as industrial-grade sand that is used for structure is becoming less available, let's look at such things as um, something called hempcrete. We've Uh got to look at a way where we're going to super-insulate these places, make hot water with with, uh, solar, electrical with solar, and take that original plan and tweak it up to modern standards so the Puerto Rican people uh, are not going to be left out of the picture. It burns me up that that people who avoided the draft mm-hmm. um, are c- comfortable with the idea that many wonderful um patriotic puerto ricans have died for this country that it just infuriates me that uh, the snot noses on this planet get the right to have the you know just to put you down Mm -hmm. it is a beautiful island with beautiful people and you deserve first rate housing at a fair cost and as far as administration costs Mm -hmm. are are called for Mm -hmm. i think that people at the academic level are far better to decide this than some plutocrats who think they're in charge.
4: Thank you very much, Rose, for your call. Really appreciate it. And that's an interesting point: is that what kind of new technologies, or new materials, or uh, uh, you know, new techniques could be used to to address these problems more quickly than sort of traditional brick and mortar solutions? Hempcrete—that's a new one on me, but okay, it's a part of the part of the joy of being on the radio is I learn something new every day. Um, I think we're going to be able to take uh, just one or two more calls, and then we are going to go to our final guests. So uh, if everyone can just keep. Bit bright and tight, uh, your opinion on Puerto Rico, that'd be great. So WBAI, you're on the air. Uh, what's your name and where you from?
7: Hello. Uh, yes, my name is Anna, and I'm from the Bronx.
4: Okay, Anna. So what's your, uh, give me your uh, your 30-second take. Puerto Rico, what's next? Well,
7: Puerto Rico should be independent, and I thank Rose for the points that she's made.
4: Mm-hmm. It's
7: an island that, ha- that has the power to be on its own because of the solar energy and the agriculture that that island used to have, but because of the United States, drought. All right. And the people of Puerto Rico, as well as the people here, have been calling for an audit. And that's what I would like to see first, an audit, because this is really all the venture capitalists who have gone to Puerto Rico Mm -hmm. and have sucked the, the economic life out of my island. And I am born and bred in the Bronx. Ah, thank you very much and
4: i'm a wbai buddy thank you oh well thank you very much look a a, a double double winner from the bronx and a wbai buddy what more that's right what more really could i ask for nothing so Mm -hmm. thank you very very much for your show take care um so we are going to go to i think we're going to try to get him on the line i think we're going to get our final guest on uh maybe in the meantime do we have him or i'm going to take one more call what do you think take one more Okay, I'm going to take one more call, and in the meantime, we are going to uh, get our final guest on. So, WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where you're from?
1: Oh, Arthur, calling from Queens, New
4: York. Okay, uh, Arthur, what's up? Puerto Rico, what do you think?
1: Great show. Thank and you. And also, too, to the lady who spoke earlier and talked about when they um, take our, you know, what they do with our money. Tax money mm-hmm. in this country, from what I've noticed, with almost every politician, as long as you're giving it into the, putting it into the military-industrial complex, I mean tanks, guns, whatever, mm-hmm. that's fine. But it does, you know, once they leave the military and become veterans, well, that's a different story. Then you're just another taker, you know, us who would like a good care or whatever. And as far as Puerto Rico, let's face it. This idiot in the White House. His complaint is that they're not grateful. You know, never we. we should. You know, Puerto Ricans should almost be going, "Oh, gee." As the fellow said earlier, with your hat in your hand. Oh, thank you so much.
4: Mm, so this this you attitude, know, this <laughs> this expectation of his that people should should be uh, <laughs> but, fawning over him or us. It, it's
1: amazing. This is a man who had no respect whatsoever for Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Yet he believes we should all get down and kiss his ring. Oh, okay.
4: <laughs> well, it's a uh, it's a an interesting uh, an interesting point and uh, Arthur really do appreciate your call, I appreciate all these calls today. Absolutely everybody who called in, Max, uh, Rose, uh, Arthur, everybody uh, uh, and by the way, speaking of, speaking of which, uh, somebody just mentioned that they were a WBAI buddy. I will take one second to remind you that we rely here at WBAI on your support, on your pledges. This is non-commercial, non-corporate radio. Uh, we rely on the support of our listeners. If you want to pledge, 516-620-3602, 516 6203602 or you can go online. give 2. That's the number two, wBAi.org give to WBAI.org. And we are going to uh, wrap up this show here with uh, a very, very special guest, and for, you know, full disclosure, a former editor of mine at the New York Daily News, but he is here to talk about the uh, the next stage in his uh, news adventures. We have Jerry Hester here. He is the editor-in-chief of The City, which is a brand new investigative local news platform that just launched and is already coming out of the gate with a bunch of uh, a bunch of pretty eye-opening stories, so so uh, Hester, pleasure to have you here on Driving Forces once more. Hey, Celeste, thanks so much for having me. Uh, so it's great. So hey, you know it looks good. I like it. I like it so far. Um, tell me a little bit about, uh, and tell the people. By the way, if you're listening, you can check it out after the show. The city, T H E C I T Y dot N Y C. Um, so, Hester, tell me what you're trying to do here, and you know, for the listeners, and uh, you know, how you got started. What what was the big rollout?
3: Sure. So, um, you know, we're essentially an independent nonprofit news outlet, and we're really dedicated to um, producing hard hitting reporting. We really want to serve the people of New York through our journalism. Um, so we uh, we finally debuted yesterday, and we came out with I think a great slate of stories. Um, really good mix of uh, the enterprise and neighborhood and accountability reporting we're trying to do. We had a piece about how uh, Manhattan DA side Vance has spent two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on travel and meals over the past five years. How much? Using two hundred and fifty thousand. <laughs>
4: I, um, I, I wasn't invited, <laughs> nor would I have accepted, but I just want to make the point that I wasn't. What was he eating?
3: So he was taking, these were work trips, but he was going to places uh, like Paris and London for conferences. And in some cases, in the cases of uh, Paris and London, he stayed at five-star accommodations. There was one round trip ticket to london I'm sorry to paris at or to paris or london um there was it was London that cost forty eight hundred dollars because of the travel that he booked um this money comes from uh asset forfeiture funds ah, um
4: okay so this so is that's the uh, when people get busted and they take away cars or drugs or stuff like that that's uh,
3: and yes proceeds. By, you know by virtue of being a Manhattan D.A., a lot of this comes from business cases, and um, it's largely un little scrutinized, largely unchecked, a lot of money, and over the years, uh, D.A. Vance has collected $620 million in-, in these funds, and some of this has gone to what um, uh, I think a lot of folks would, would think is good purposes, uh, $38 million to test untested rate kits mm-hmm. around the country. Mm-hmm. But it's the... I mean I think the the larger point here is that there's really not that much scrutiny or oversight. Um, and in, certainly in terms of of some of the expenses, um, you know they're, I, you know what feedback we're getting, they've certainly raised eyebrows.
4: It's amazing that just I mean just that that single example alone, forty eight hundred bucks for a plane, did he get to keep the plane? Uh, that, that just seems a little exorbitant, but that's that sort of points to exactly why you guys started the city, right? It's because somebody needs to be watching out for this stuff, and uh, having been one of the casualties of it, I know that newspapers are cutting back on uh, on investigative reporting, on local reporting, and so you guys are kind of you know, a new part of that landscape, right?
3: Yeah, and I think that's a great way to put it. Um, we're not here to read replace anybody. I mean, there's still, as we both know, a lot of great journalism being done in New York, that uh, very high quality. The problem is, is we don't have the, the quantity and the consistency that we used to have when, you know, uh, newspapers and other news organizations had many beat reporters and people regularly covering all the courthouses. Um, we're trying to basically add to the landscape and, and in our way of doing it is, is that accountability reporting. We really want to do stories that are um, that are people focused, that are uh, that rely on data, where we're you know we're foiling for information. We're telling people something they they didn't know that perhaps they they might want to know. Like um, another piece that we had about um, the city's um, new ferries, where they picked a bidder which was the lower bidder, but um, the city's winding up spending what could ultimately be a, a nearly 370 million dollars to buy a fleet of boats, whereas the second bidder came in at about 30 million dollars more. But that um, that coalition of of bidders was willing to bring their own boats. Um, you know, look, there's so so many stories out there that are just waiting to to be done, and there's certainly more than enough. Um, for for a lot of journalism organizations to dig into, so we're, um, you know, we're very um, very happy to to be part of the of the media landscape in New York, and we're hoping we can contribute by uh, serving the folks of New York with some some great stories.
4: So definitely, definitely encouraging all our readers check it out. The city dot. NYC And uh, Jerry Hester is the uh, editor-in-chief uh, and, again, a, a former editor of mine, a man with a uh, long uh, long and distinguished history of editing and reporting, the Daily News, uh, Downtown Express. Uh, I think that uh, uh, and certainly uh, having been an administrator at the uh, CUNY Journalism School. Uh, so, Jerry, I'm going to ask you to uh, make sure that we get a bunch of your reporters. Got to give a shout-out to former Daily Newsers who are part of this enterprise. Uh, Greg B. Smith, Jose Martinez, uh, Ruvane Blau. Uh, who am I missing? Anybody? Somebody? I must. Yeah,
3: we, we've got a we got an all star lineup includes former DNA reporters like Rosa Goldenson, um, Rachel Holliday, Smith, Ben Frachtenberg. We've got Yoav Gonen from from the Post. Mm-hmm. Um, we we've really have a, a great mix of 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 folks and experience and every level you can imagine, but all united by this passion to do strong local journalism.
4: Excellent. So check them out and check them out on Twitter at the city and uh, wait, so did you name the pigeon after me or what?
3: Well, the, the pigeon, uh, we're, we're going to bring this down to a final four. Uh, you know, in uh, the end CAA spirit, hopefully early next week, and we're going to put it to the vote for the people. So if uh, Celeste is one of the finalists, (laughs) you can go to our site, thecity.nyc, and uh, and cast your vote.
4: Excellent. Jerry Hester, Editor-in-Chief of The City, thank you so much for joining us here on WBAI.
3: Thank you, Celeste.
4: Okay, we are going to wrap it up. Stay tuned for the WBAI Evening News with Paul DiRanzo. I am Celeste Katz. You can hear this show again on our archive section, WBAI.org, on SoundCloud, and on iTunes. See you next week.
3: Coming up momentarily at 6 o'clock, we have the WBAI Evening News for you with Paul Dorienzo. Stay with us.
8: Hello, everybody. The 2019 Brooklyn Folk Festival is coming right up, April 5th through 7th, presented by the Jalopy Theater. We have 46 bands performing, playing blues, jug band music, sacred steel gospel music, there's old time string bands, songwriters, bluegrass and western swing, music from Mali, Ukraine, Sardinia, and Colombia, there's traditional jazz and ragtime music, a Pete Seeger 100th birthday sing-along for kids and their families, and more. Plus, square dancing, workshops, jam sessions, films, and the world famous banjo toss, banjo throwing competition. And new this year, a curated selection of food from New York's many amazing delicious cooking traditions. Tickets are reasonably priced and the festival takes place at St. Anne's Church in Brooklyn Heights. That's all happening April 5th through 7th at the Brooklyn Folk Festival. Visit us at brooklynfolkfest.com for more info and tickets. We hope to see you there. This is the professor, Dr. Ron
1: Daniels. Friday, April 5th, all roads lead to Newark for a national town hall meeting on gentrification, the Negro Removal Program of the 21st Century, hosted by Mayor Raj J. Baraka, with special guests Danny Glover and Dr. Julianne Malvo. Local speakers include Larry Hamm, Frederico Bay, and Assemblyman Charles Barron. It will be moderated by Mark Thompson. That's Friday, April 5th, 7 o'clock p.m. sharp in Ballroom A in the Campus Center of the New Jersey Institute for Technology, 150 Bleecker Street, and University Heights. You don't want to miss a discussion of the destructive force that's displacing black people and black culture and black communities across the nation. Broadcast live on WBAI. It's free and open to the public. For further information on directions to the campus, call 973-596-3605. That's 973-596-3605. Or visit the website www.ibw21.org. That's I-B-W.